You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Let's do that. Let's get our Bibles open to 2 Timothy, and here we go. It's time to stoke the fire, church. 8.30, it's time to stoke the fire by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. I'm not sure if all of you are ready for that, but I'm praying the Lord will wonderfully surprise you as he works in your life today. I'm fired up for today's message, fired up to continue in 2 Timothy, fired up and expecting what the Lord is going to do among us. I just want to pray briefly. Father, would you do that? Would you stoke fires? Would you fan into flame? Lord, would you awaken those that are slumbering, God? Would you light again the flame of those who are smoldering? Would you encourage those who are discouraged, Lord, those listening right now at home, maybe those here all through today? Lord, do not let us sit in apathy. Do not allow us, God, to uh, fall asleep at the one chance that we have to live for Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray, work among us again in such a wonderful way. Lord, we need you together. We need you. And you bring messages like this time and time again that you might wake us up and then you might light us again with a tremendous fire to burn for Jesus Christ. Do it now, Lord. Do it now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen. You might have come in sleepy. I'm going to do my best by God's strength that you will not stay sleepy today. All right? We're going for that. Amen. You want to clap for that? I've been clapping for that. Amen. I like clapping. That's so good. All right. Second Timothy. Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison. It does not stop him from pulling out his spiritual poker to stoke the fire of young Timothy. I love stoking fires. Do you love stoking fires? I love stoking fires literally and spiritually. It's one of the great thrills of my life to stoke spiritual fires and praying that will happen today as well. The priceless value, church, the priceless value of having mentors in our lives that God uses to stoke our fires and to produce heat for Jesus Christ and meaning and purpose. This is so the heart of Paul. This is so the desire of Paul. This is so the prayer of Paul for Timothy. And we get to watch it right here in this epistle firsthand. So let me ask you this question as you walk in today. How's your fire for Jesus Christ right now? How's your fire for Jesus Christ this past season? How would you rank your heat for Christ right now? How would you rank your heat for Christ out of 10? Out of 10, what would you give yourself? 10 is like white hot for Christ. Five is a struggling fame, and one is smoldering, barely hanging on. I hope there are some tens here in the room today, but the reality is the majority will be less than that for all sorts of different reasons. But we ask ourselves, well, what's the answer? We can see clearly, we know, man, this is where I got to go. This is where the Lord wants to take me. This is what's so clear in his word of who I should be and where I should be going. What's the, what's the answer to stoking the fire then? How do I fan into flame, again, uh, my light and heat for Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to answer that question today with our text in 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 7. And four words, really, we're going to use from our text today. Four words, I'll give them to you now. You want to stoke the fire for Jesus Christ? Sincerity, intimacy, intensity, and consistency. I'll say that again. Intimacy, sincerity, intensity, and consistency. Needless to say, I'm excited for this message today. Let's get going. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Take a look 
at your copy of God's Word in hand at home. Have that open as well. Look at what God has to say to us today. Paul says this, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure, I love that, I am sure, Timothy, that dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Again, for God has given us a spirit not of fear, amen? Not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's do it, Lord. Let's do it. Use this today. All right, here's our first spiritual fire poker today. Number one is this, spiritual intimacy. I need it. Spiritual intimacy I need it. Paul's such an example for Christ. He's such an example in Christ because he had such a fired up engine for Christ. Church, this was his secret. This was Paul's secret, his authentic intimacy and relationship with Jesus. It was the fuel for his fire. It resulted in the purpose of his life. I haven't read this quote publicly for at least a couple of days. So let me read it again for you on the screen here. A.W. Tozer, you come near to the holy men and women of the past and you will soon feel their heat and desire after God. Oh, I love that. That is so good. You draw near to all the holy men and women of the past and the one thing you can be certain you will find and feel is their heat and their desire after the Lord Jesus Christ. You draw near these people and you are warming your hands on their spiritual fire. That is a constant all through scripture and all through history of any man, woman, or child who's been powerfully used of Jesus Christ. Let's examine and unpack then Paul's spiritual intimacy in verses three and four. I want you to notice this in our text. Notice how the vertical intimacy is accompanied with the horizontal intimacy or the vertical to God leads to the horizontal with brothers and sisters in Christ. Both are necessary, both are designed and commanded by the Lord. Look at Paul's first three words in verse three there. You see that? Don't look at me, look at the text. Let's go. First three words he says, I thank God. That's so great. I thank God. But it becomes more meaningful with context, doesn't it? Paul says, I thank God. But wait a second, where's Paul? He's in prison. What binds Paul? Chains. Where is Paul? Rome. What awaits Paul? Execution. Imprisoned in chains in Rome, awaiting execution. And wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I thank God. Awesome. I thank God. Thankful to God. You know, one of the great signs of spiritual intimacy, one of the great signs of spiritual intimacy with our God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is that we are filled with gratitude. 
despite your circumstances. Gratitude is one of the sure signs of our intimacy with the Lord. A few verses, this theme of gratitude is very, very important to me because it's very, very important to the Lord. I read recently Psalm 50, verse 23. Listen to this. God says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Look at that. The one who offers thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, a perspective of gratefulness, an awareness of God Almighty, the giver of all good things. The one who's allowed me to be born again by his Holy Spirit in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one who offers thanks, the Lord wants our gratitude as an offering to him. Let's flip that and the opposite of that. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 now. And this is, again, such an important, sobering thing to understand. And even the baptism testimonies, I'm so thankful for those baptized this morning. The blessing it was for my heart to hear that. And God is at work and how great that is. We would hear this in their stories. Before Christ, though, Romans 1 tells us, the wrath of God is, is, is revealed against unrighteousness. Because what can be known about God is plain. The Bible says that. God has so evidenced himself through creation. His invisible attributes have clearly been seen that people are without excuse. There's no human being alive that has an excuse to say there's not enough evidence to see God through the reality of all that's around us. Now notice what God says as a result of this truth here. For although they knew God, they did not honor him they know God exists. Deep down, they know. They try to be atheists, but inside, deep down, there's a misery and there's a conflict because they know that there's a life after this. Though they know God ultimately, they don't honor him or God, and they don't give thanks to him. They will not give thanks and acknowledge there's a creator because even as one of the uh, baptized, he sa said today, because I wanted to be an atheist to continue to my, my belief in self and love of sin. That's it. That's it. Right there. Such a good line. He said it better than I did. There's no thanksgiving to God because to thank God acknowledges God and therefore I'm accountable to God. And so watch what happens. This is our whole world right here. Romans 1 says it all. You should look it up. It's awesome. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And one of the greatest signs of that reality is they were not thankful to the Lord. And this is why in Ephesians 5 it says, for believers, one of the great signs you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you give thanks in all circumstances. Ephesians 5.20. Intimacy with God results in a gratitude towards God. Paul says, I thank God in prison, in chains, awaiting execution. Watch this now. Watch how his vertical intimacy leads to a horizontal spiritual intimacy with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's no wonder, church, what are, the, what are the first two greatest commandments? They are love God and love one another. And the one flows to the other, right? You love God first vertical. The love for God then flows from, again, him to me, and then it flows out of me to love of others. You can't have the one without the other. You must love God first, then love others. Here's what Paul's doing right here indirectly within our text right now. Look at, um, look at the second half of verse 3 there. He says, um, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. There's, there's, there's a lot happening here. Notice 
the powerful father-son spiritual relationship of Paul to Timothy. Notice some of the words that Paul describes towards Timothy. He's um, remembering. He's praying. He's longing. He describes the tears, the crying that existed between them because there was such a love. He refers to the joy he feels and would feel out of reunion in Jesus Christ between him and his spiritual son, Timothy. Notice this church, ready? Paul's in prison and his spiritual intimacy and fire burns bright. Paul is totally isolated. You heard that phrase recently? Totally isolated and yet resolved to pursue the Lord and love for the church, even in his isolation. How about us? How about us? Notice the role of prayer in Paul's life. The role of prayer, night and day, constantly giving thanks, praying again for one another. You want spiritual intimacy, the fire to be stoked? I'm telling you, this is where you got to go. By the way, we have a prayer meeting, church-wide prayer meeting, this Wednesday at 7 p.m. You should... You should, you should come. It's going to be fun. You should come. It's Wednesday at 7 p.m. 300 spots available. You can watch online. That's great. But if you're able, you should come. Amen, Pastor George in the back. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Hey, Wednesday in prayer because we need to pray. We're praying precisely through verse 7, by the way, and we'll get there in just a few minutes. Notice, though, Paul, again, loved ones, it's not a secret. It's not supposed to be complicated. Paul recalls a time when Timothy wept over Paul. We don't know exactly when this was. Maybe it was when Acts 20, when they left each other in the beach. Maybe that's when it was. You can imagine just, again, they're so close. There's such a love. There's such an intimacy for God and for one another. And they know they're going to be separated. They don't know when they'll see each other again. And the longing and the affection that is so powerful within the Christian life. The beautiful spiritual love, Paul says, that I may be filled with joy to see you again. I just want you to see this. Paul was captain evangelist. And yet, Paul's closest relationships were with those who would stoke his fire for Jesus Christ. What are we learning here too from this text? The friends we choose, our closest relationships, will determine our affection and direction in life more often than not. School's starting up again in so many different ways. Young people, but all of us right now, listen, the friends you choose will ultimately determine your affection and the direction that you go. Your closest friends, you should have lots of different friends and different places and reaching those. Your closest friends should be those who draw you closer to Jesus Christ. The ones you trust the most and listen to the most and glean wisdom from the most and look to the example the most. Your friends should be those who bring you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And relationships that are killing your relationship, you got to look at very carefully and decide if it's worth it. Loved ones, we need spiritual intimacy. We need it so much. And notice what's happening right within verses 3 and 4 in our text. Notice this. We understand this too, man. If you want to pursue Jesus Christ, did you know Jesus Christ is open 24-7, 365 days a year? Did you know he's never closed? That's pretty good. 
Do you know he never, I tried to uh, call a store recently, and they're, they're, they're not open until whatever, noon or whatever it was, you know, and you get frustrated at times, and why can't they be open? Jesus is never closed. Never closed. Well, clap for that too, clap for that. Jesus always open, amen. Amen, listen, listen. 24-7, always ready. Every single moment of every day we live, he's available for you and me to grow our relationship with him. In our text right now, in our text, notice in our text. Notice the God time represented. Notice the group time represented. Notice the gather time represented. All there highlighted in the importance of what we're doing in Jesus Christ. You're like, my fire's getting dim. My apathy, it feels like it's weighing me down. I'm kind of discouraged in the faith. I don't have love for Christ. And yet God time stinks, group time stinks, gather time stinks. Well, of course we stink then. Of course some people, they, they just amaze me. Why? Well, I feel so distant from God. And like, well, have you spent any time with him in the last month or six? Well, not really. Well, duh. And I'm just, I'm just like, come on now. When's the last time you got to church in a, kind of a group of accountability? Well, maybe a couple years ago. Well, well, come on now. Like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist or some biblical scholar to find out why it may not be going so great in your relationship with the Lord. It's called time. Every single relationship we have requires time, no more so than the one with the living God. And Paul's in prison, and he gives time. Spiritual intimacy, I need it. Spiritual fire poker number two, a faith of sincerity, I treasure it. A faith of sincerity, I treasure it. Take a look at verse five now. I am reminded, this text is so good, man. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. See what Paul does here? Paul highlights Timothy's spiritualancestry.com. This is what he's doing. And it's a powerful history. So Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey when he went to Lystra, in Acts 16. We learn there in that text, we learn that Timothy's mother was a believer, but we also learn his father was a Greek, it says, indicating he was an unbeliever. So believing mother, unbelieving father. That would have been tough in those times where the father had such an influence and such a dominant role within that culture. Obviously, Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to see the heart of this young man, Timothy, and to believe God was doing something special in him. Notice this too. Paul also was led to see the sincere family history of faith in Lois and Eunice, and now again in Timothy. When you look at verse 5, I love verse 5 so much. When you look at verse 5, notice the tribute to the power of motherhood here. Look at it there. So much so, again, look at that. So much so, the Holy Spirit records their names, Lois and Eunice, for all of eternity. For all of eternity, the names of Lois and Eunice are here. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away, Jesus says. These names are here forever. Why? To highlight their sincere faith in Jesus Christ, which had such an impact and legacy passed on to a faith that is sincere to Timothy. That's awesome. I love that. You got to stop there for a second, right? All the women here right now, be so encouraged by verse 5. Think of 
Is there any greater legacy that you can pass on women other than sincere faith in Jesus Christ? Think of all the pressures and temptations you face in our society, all the pressures and temptations of the culture trying to form you into its own image, and yet in the end, what I love what's said here, the one thing the Holy Spirit through Paul wants to indicate that they were and they left to Timothy, the most powerful gift you give to your family, to your children, is sincere faith in Jesus Christ. Notice, Paul doesn't mention their career. He doesn't mention their appearance. He doesn't mention their I got it togetherness. He mentions sincere faith. That's the greatest gift. In the end of the day, just like when you reach the end and you're on your hospital bed approaching death, you're not going to care about all these other things in the world. You will care about the faith you have in Jesus Christ and begging God that it would be passed on to children with sincerity of those that you love the most, understand eternity is at stake. Wonderful, wonderful. Double down on that. Women, grandmothers, mothers, mother types, all of us listen and learn. And Paul says here, he says, hey, Timothy, man, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, they live sincere lives of faith for Christ. He goes, I know, I'm sure now, I'm sure this also dwells in you. So Timothy, there's responsibility now. You have a sincere faith that God wants to use. You have sincere faith that cannot be wasted now, Timothy. You have, you have a sincere faith passed down, exemplified for you, which now you on your own before God, you have, there's responsibility now. There's an onus there to use it. I look at my family history in a Christian sense. On both sides, on both sides of my family, there are long, long lines of faithful Christian devotion. I, I, I can't go back far enough to find out who was the first person on each side to believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know who that is. It goes back so far. I just feel so blessed by that. If, if you really think about that, right? And then one day in heaven, I get to meet the, the first person led by God's sovereignty to give their life for Jesus Christ and to pass on to that generation, that generation, that generation, and ends up in my home, in my upbringing, in Mississauga, Ontario, and by God's grace, God working through my stubborn and rebellious heart and saving me and now calling to ministry and to go back and to look at that man or woman, whoever they were in heaven, for eternity and be like, bless you. Your sincere decision of faith in Jesus Christ and the legacy that is left by God's grace. It's awesome. Maybe you're here, maybe you're a first-generation Christian right now. You get to start that legacy that Lord William will pass on for generations to come by God's grace. What a vision. What an awesome testimony. What an opportunity. But listen, it can't be wasted. you got to take that opportunity, and now you got to use it. You don't fall asleep to the world. You double down for the things in Jesus Christ and his gospel. Because in the end, you, you know it as I say it, nothing else ultimately matters. All the accomplishments of the world, in the end, it doesn't matter. What matters is the gospel and lives changed for Christ in that sense. Spiritual intimacy, I need it. Faith is sincerity, I treasure it. Poker number three. This is a poker, by the way. The challenge of intensity I receive it. The challenge for intensity, I receive it. Look at, look at, look at verse 6 now. In every verse, man, just, just so packed. Look at, he's building his argument. For this reason, Timothy, see that? For this reason. Because of your sincere faith, Timothy. For this reason, I remind you, don't waste your life. 
Fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into stroke the fire, Timothy, which is in you, which is in you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, fan into flame. I remind you, fan into flame. Um, New American Standard, kindle afresh. Love that. New King James, stir up the gift of God. The meaning here of fan into flame, keep in full flame, stir up the fire, add fresh fuel, cause something to reactivate. And again, he says, for this reason, because your faith is sincere, fan into flame the fire. Timothy, you are not allowed to waste what God has entrusted to you. Timothy, he has placed a fire within you. You must let it burn bright. And notice, fan into flame the gift of God. This is certainly more than natural ability. Of course it is. This comes down to fan into flame the gift the Holy Spirit has given to you, the fruit and power of the Holy Spirit, again, that is in you. Fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the supernatural work of God as you pursue him and love him and let what he's brought in you again see its fullness through your life you got to burn bright for Jesus Christ. I love the quote from John Wesley. He said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. We need a few of those in our day. I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Notice verse 6, the gift of God that is in you. Verse 7 helps us interpret verse 6. Verse 7, it's an obvious work of the Holy Spirit in every single believer. The spirit of power and love and self-control. Which allows us to see then, again, the fanning the flame, the work of the Spirit within our lives. I think the point here, loved ones, is this, is any fire left to itself will eventually go out. Any fire left unattended, without additional fuel, Left by itself, it will go out. The fire must be tended. The fire must be fueled. And so therefore, Paul gives Timothy the challenge for intensity that his fire would remain strong. Question, question, how's your fire for Christ right now? How's your zeal for what God has entrusted to you? Church, loved ones, all those alive in Jesus Christ right now, please understand Every genuine believer has been entrusted by God with an opportunity. Every believer in Jesus Christ has been given the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Every genuine believer has at least one supernatural spiritual gift of the Spirit. Every genuine believer has a calling to further the gospel with their lives. And there is no more important fire than this one right here. Oh Lord, would you kindle afresh the fire? Would you fan into flame? Notice again, notice how God's word is constantly circling back and using passages. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to get us to wake up. You see that? The Holy Spirit's constantly trying to get us to stoke the fire. Because the Holy Spirit anticipates the battle for the heart of every believer. Yet passage after passage, wake up, don't fall asleep, light the fire, fan into flame. And who's this for right now? It's for all of us right now. Again, do not waste your life in this way. More questions. What idols are pouring water 
on your fire for Christ right now? What idols exist in your heart and life right now that are pouring water on your flame for Jesus Christ? What habits are killing your love for Christ right now? What habits? Like you know right now, you know. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, we've talked about this a while now. That habit right there, you know, you're, you're trying to rationalize, you're trying to justify, you're trying to reason, but in the end, you just know, you've known for weeks, it is not helping my walk with Christ. It needs to go. It needs to change. What distractions have pulled you away from tending your fire? What distractions? Here's a question. What people what people in your life are diminishing your fire and flame for the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel? So right now, there's two types of people in this message, and maybe a combination of both. I love these things. It's a fire poker, obviously. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing right now to some of you? I mean, when you go through a fire, and it's kind of been you know, burning for a while, and you just, you just you, you poke it, and you... Flip it, turn, it's amazing the sparks, they turn over and all of a sudden the coals and, and there it is, totally prepared. When you add a log, it just bursts into a flaming and you poke the fire and just it rejuvenates that fire. The Holy Spirit right now is coming up to some of you where you are and you've, you've known this basically in the first five minutes of the message but the Holy Spirit's like, poke. And he's poking you right now and it, it's a little bit uncomfortable but he's like, hey, hey, child, you know, you know it's not good right now. You know we're not okay with just getting by doing nothing for the Lord it's time for you, it's time for you to stoke the fire for Jesus Christ. And you gotta embrace that, man. People that are right there and say, you gotta, your fire's being stoked. It's exciting, isn't it? It's like, it's like, I do this in love, by the way. This is all love, okay, yeah. But that's what the Holy Spirit does, man. He disciplines us and he stokes us. And sometimes we walk into church someday, we have no idea what he's gonna preach on, but the Holy Spirit preaches to us right now. We're like, wow, he's trying to get my attention. He is with this. The other person might be those that need to fan into flame. And you're feeling, this is the bellow. And the person, Holy Spirit, comes to you right now. He's right by your fire. And it's so neat when you see this in a fire too. And the air, the air, and the, and the oxygen that is, is pressed and breathed in the fire. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? And just how, how the way the Lord works and the physics of fire is just awesome. And right now the Holy Spirit's coming up to your fire and he's, and he's fanning the flame. And he wants to use you in the process as well. And the oxygen of the Lord comes in. And the fire and wind of the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to. And some of you actually right now, maybe it's a combination of both. And he's stoking. And when he stokes the fire, then he's going to fan the flame at the same time. He stokes first. And then he fans the flame with your, again, with your uh, agreement. And with your, again, cooperation in that. That we might work in and work out our salvation with God and us. Philippians 2 telling you right now, church, please, please, I beg of you, you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do not resist him. Don't be a hearer and not a doer. This is it. Like You're like, why doesn't the Lord speak to me? He is speaking to you. How come he feels so distant? Because we ignore him when he talks to us. Why can't I hear his voice? He's talking right now. And it's so abundantly clear. Maybe some at home right now. This is you right now. Yeah, let me get the poker out again. Some at home right now. And he's poking you where you are. And he's getting your tush off the couch, spiritually speaking. He's like, come on now, child. Let's go. Stop using this season as, as an excuse to do nothing, which some are. A lot of excuses available right now. The Lord knows, though, what's real and what's false. The challenge for intensity 
do it, Lord. Spiritual intimacy, I need it. Faith and sincerity, I treasure it. Challenge for intensity, Lord, may we receive it. And then number, spiritual poker number four, this, the call for consistency now, I hear it. The call for consistency, I hear it. Look at verse seven. For God gave us a spirit not of fear. Oh, by the way, this is one of our top 10 verses in 2 Timothy. I hope you've embraced the uh, scripture memory challenge. I hope you've chosen your level one, two, or three, by the way. If you don't know what I'm talking about, man, you got to jump on board on our website. We have the whole kind of plan there for the next several months when we're in 2 Timothy. Use that. Take advantage of that. Scripture memory tools, right? For God has not given us a spirit. For God gives us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And by the way, this week is actually last night. I said to my kids, okay, if you want to be fed dinner, you have to come to 2 Timothy 1.7. Like, for real. Like, for real. The, the, the food will not be served until dad and mom hear 2 Timothy 1.7. You know what? It worked. It was worked. You can take that idea, too. Hey, kids, love you, love you, but you better produce some scripture. Remember, you're not getting fed. It's amazing how food is a great motivator. 2 Timothy 1.7, Right? I love it so much. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. Not of fear. Amen is right. But of power, spirit of power. Man, I've been thinking on this all week. New and fresh. I love it. God has given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Think on that and meditate on that. Notice, for God has given us a spirit not of fear. What do we learn there? Human fear, ready for this one? Human fear is not of God. I just want us to register that truth in the midst of the season we're in right now. You say, well, I don't really like that sentence. Well, then you have to figure out what to do with Verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear. Behind that word fear there, the meaning is a timidity, cowardness, uh, running away from battle. Um, it's a picture of lacking courage or moral strength. I'm telling you all the fear that runs our society right now, fear is running our society. For Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, for God gave us the spirit, not a fear. Come on, church. And come on, Lord, fill your church. That we be men and women, not filled with fear. And notice then, he says, like, this is like, you know, you have a sincere faith, Timothy. You're going to fan the flame of the gift of God. Why? Why fan the flame of the gift of God? For God has given us a spear of power. He's given us a spirit. And by the way, spirit, many commentators argue heavily, spirit is Holy Spirit. And of course, power, love, and self-control, we can't do on our own. It's basically from the Spirit anyways, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know the word power is used 115 times in the New Testament? 115 times. The power of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. For God has given us a spirit of power. We are so weak, yet so strong in Christ. Power. Think on that. He has given us a spirit of power, strength. God has. You have the power of God within you by his grace and generosity and mercy. 
He has given us the spirit of power, not of fear, of power, boldness. Think of the book of Acts. The whole thing is a testimony to the power of God's spirit through the church. All their boldness comes from the power of God. All the healing comes from the power of God. All their testimony comes from the power of God. All the churches planted comes from the power of God in them. Because God has given us a spirit of power. And watch this. Where there's the power of God given to us, there will be the love of God. A spirit of power and a spirit of love. Where there's God's power results in God's love. Love it. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the first fruit indicated again in Galatians regarding the fruit of the Spirit? It is love. Love, joy, peace. Love. The power of the fruit of God's Spirit resulting in love. Love. Selfless, sacrificial love. You're like, man, I'm struggling with love for my uh, wife right now. My marriage is really hurting. I just don't feel it. You fan into flame the gift of God. You pursue the reality of your sincere faith. The power of God fills your life, and you tell me that the love of God isn't also seen again from him by grace. That's how it works. Yeah, but I haven't spent any time with God for months. Again, no wonder you have no love, silly. No wonder, because you got no power either. You got no power, you got no love. It's the Holy Spirit. Hey, Timothy, I'm sitting in prison right now, man. I'm isolated. I'm about to be killed for my faith. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What self-control is? The idea, listen to this, it's the idea of a calm, self-controlled mind in contrast to the panic and confusion that comes in a fearful situation. That was written before COVID, by the way. A calm and self-controlled mind in contrast to the panic and confusion that comes in a fearful situation. Two words. Yes, please. Yes, please. A spirit of self-control, calmness, sound mind, disciplined, trusting, relying on the Lord. Consider how all of this applies to our day. Lord, stoke the fire. Stoke the fire. Fill us, Lord. How, listen, I'll end here. How would your life look different if God stoked your fire in this way? How would your life look different if, if the spirit of power came upon you? God's unlimited supply of power offered to us. The power over fear, the power to persevere, the power to pray, the power to lead, the power to witness. What would your life look like if the spirit of love filled you right now? God's love flowing from your life and, 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 and turning hatred into love and bitterness into love and resentment into love and unforgiveness into love. What would change in your relationships? The way you view the world instead of being so cynical and angry and so pessimistic and yet the love of God flows from your life to this hurt and broken world. How awesome that would be. How would your life look different with the spirit of self-control, self-mastery, sound mind? Listen, how many, how many even Christians are being tossed with every wave of the day? 
just throwing sideways and this way and just tossed with every next headline. Tossed again in some ways is so discouraging. And I'll be honest, in some ways it's so pathetic. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That we are steadied in the anchor of Jesus Christ. And again, you're like, man, I, I have a hard time imagining that happening. It's by the Holy Spirit in those who pursue him and want to fan in the flame. So let me ask you, has the Lord, has the Lord tried to stoke your fire today? Come on, Lord, do it, do it. Keep stoking the fire. Holy Spirit, keep working in our midst. Let's go, Lord. Fan into flame. Amen, church. I hope you're glad you came to church today, man. Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, do it. Please, Holy Spirit, do it. Fan into flame. I pray you will find the submission, the cooperation, the humility of all those here, all those belonging to Hope, Bible Church, all those watching online. Yes, Lord, move today. Move so powerfully. Thank you for songs of power, songs of the Holy Spirit, songs of invitation to be led and filled by you. Thank you for baptisms. Thank you for your word. Thank you never give up on us. Thank you for your longing and your wooing of us. That's what you're doing today. Once again, wooing us to you. Light the fire. We pray this together. And in Jesus' name, amen.